section five of the chouan by honore de balzac translated by catherine wormley this librivox recording is in the public domain one of fouche's ideas chapter two part two to this mute inquiry the youth replied by an attitude and a gesture which said faith i can't tell but i distrust him then leaving his mother to fathom the mystery he turned to the landlady and whispered try to find out who that fellow is and whether he is really accompanying the young lady and why so said madame de Gois, looking at corentin you are quite sure citizen that mademoiselle de venouille is living she is living in flesh and blood as surely madame as the citizen duguois saint cyr this answer contained a sarcasm the hidden meaning of which was known to none but the lady herself and any one but herself would have been disconcerted by it her son looked fixedly at corentin who coolly pulled out his watch without appearing to notice the effect of his answer the lady uneasy and anxious to discover at once if the speech meant danger or was merely accidental said to corentin in a natural tone and manner how little security there is on these roads we were attacked by chouan just beyond mauritania my son came very near being killed he received two balls in his hat while protecting me is it possible madame were you in the mail-coach which those brigands robbed in spite of the escort the one we have just come by you must know the vehicle well they told me at mortagne that the chouan numbered a couple of thousands and that every one in the coach was killed even the travellers that's how history is written alas madame he continued if they murder travellers so near to paris you can fancy how unsafe the roads are in brittany i shall return to paris and not risk myself any farther is mademoiselle de venouille young and handsome said the lady to the hostess struck suddenly with an idea just then the landlord interrupted the conversation in which there was something of an angry element by announcing that breakfast was ready the young sailor offered his hand to his mother with an air of false familiarity that confirmed the suspicions of corentin to whom the youth remarked as he went up the stairway citizen if you are travelling with the female citizen de vernouille and she accepts the landlord's proposal you can come too though the words were said in a careless tone and were not inviting corentin followed the young man squeezed the lady's hand when they were five or six steps above him and said in a low voice now you see the dangers to which your imprudent enterprises which have no glory in them expose us if we are discovered how are we to escape and what a contemptible role you force me to play all three reached a large room on the upper floor any one who has travelled in the west will know that the landlord had on such an occasion brought forth his best things to do honour to his guests and prepared the meal with no ordinary luxury the table was carefully laid 
the warmth of a large fire took the dampness from the room the linen glass and china were not too dingy corentin saw at once that the landlord had as they say familiarly cut himself into quarters to please the strangers consequently thought he these people are not what they pretend to be that young man is clever i took him for a fool but i begin to believe him as shrewd as myself the sailor his mother and corentin awaited mademoiselle de venouille whom the landlord went to summon but the handsome traveller did not come the youth expected that she would make difficulties and he left the room humming the popular song guard the nation's safety and went to that of mademoiselle de venouille prompted by a keen desire to get the better of her scruples and take her back with him perhaps he wanted to solve the doubts which filled his mind or else to exercise the power which all men like to think they wield over a pretty woman may i be hanged if he's a republican thought corentin as he saw him go he moves his shoulders like a courtier and if that's his mother he added mentally looking at madame dugois i'm the pope they are chouin and i'll make sure of their quality the door soon opened and the young man entered holding the hand of mademoiselle de venouille whom he led to the table with an air of self-conceit that was nevertheless courteous the devil had not allowed that hour which had elapsed since the lady's arrival to be wasted with francine's assistance mademoiselle de venouille had armed herself with a travelling dress more dangerous perhaps than any ballroom attire its simplicity had precisely that attraction which comes of the skill with which a woman handsome enough to wear no ornaments reduces her dress to the position of a secondary charm she wore a green gown elegantly cut the jacket of which braided and frogged defined her figure in a manner that was hardly suitable for a young girl allowing her supple waist and rounded bust and graceful motions to be fully seen she entered the room smiling with the natural amenity of women who can show a fine set of teeth transparent as porcelain between rosy lips and dimpling cheeks as fresh as those of childhood having removed the close hood which had almost concealed her head at her first meeting with the young sailor she could now employ at her ease the various little artifices apparently so artless with which a woman shows off the beauties of her face and the grace of her head and attracts admiration for them a certain harmony between her manners and her dress made her seem so much younger than she was that madame dugois thought herself beyond the mark in supposing her over twenty the coquetry of her apparel evidently worn to please was enough to inspire hope in the young man's breast but mademoiselle de venouille bowed to him as she took her place with a slight inclination of her head and without looking at him putting him aside with an apparently light-hearted carelessness which disconcerted him this coolness might have seemed to an observer neither caution nor coquetry but indifference natural or feigned the candid expression on the young lady's face only made it the more impenetrable 
she showed no consciousness of her charms and was apparently gifted with the pretty manners that win all hearts and had already duped the natural self-conceit of the young sailor thus baffled the youth returned to his own seat with a sort of vexation mademoiselle de venouille took francine who accompanied her by the hand and said in a caressing voice turning to madame de Gua, madame will you have the kindness to allow this young girl who is more a friend than a servant to me to sit with us in these perilous times such devotion as hers can only be repaid by the heart indeed that is very nearly all that is left to us madame de Gois replied to the last words which were said half aside with a rather unceremonious bow that betrayed her annoyance at the beauty of the newcomer then she said in a low voice to her son perilous times devotion madame servant that is not mademoiselle de vernouille it is some girl sent here by fouché the guests were about to sit down when mademoiselle de vernouille noticed corentin who was still employed in a close scrutiny of the mother and son who were showing some annoyance at his glances citizen she said to him you are no doubt too well bred to dog my steps the republic when it sent my parents to the scaffold did not magnanimously provide me with a guardian though you have from extreme and chivalric gallantry accompanied me against my will to this place she sighed i am quite resolved not to allow your protecting care to become a burden to you i am safe now and you can leave me she gave him a fixed and contemptuous look corentin understood her he repressed the smile which almost curled the corners of his wily lips as he bowed to her respectfully citroyen he said it is always an honour to obey you beauty is the only queen a republican can serve mademoiselle de venouille's eyes as she watched him depart shone with such natural pleasure she looked at francine with a smile of intelligence which betrayed so much real satisfaction that madame de Gois, who grew prudent as she grew jealous felt disposed to relinquish the suspicions which mademoiselle de venouille's great beauty had forced into her mind it may be mademoiselle de venouille after all she whispered to her son but that escort answered the young man whose vexation at the young lady's indifference allowed him to be cautious is she a prisoner or an emissary a friend or an enemy of the government madame de Gois made a sign as if to say that she would soon clear up the mystery however the departure of corentin seemed to lessen the young man's distrust and he began to cast on mademoiselle de venouille certain looks which betrayed an immoderate admiration of women rather than the respectful warmth of a dawning passion the young girl grew more and more reserved and gave all her attentions to madame de Gois. the youth angry with himself tried in his vexation to turn the tables and seem indifferent mademoiselle de venouille appeared not to notice this manoeuvre she continued to be simple without shyness and reserved without prudery this chance meeting of personages who apparently were not destined to become intimate awakened no agreeable sympathy on either side 
there was even a sort of vulgar embarrassment and awkwardness which destroyed all the pleasure which mademoiselle de vernouille and the young sailor had begun by expecting but women have such wonderful conventional tact they are so intimately allied with each other or they have such keen desires for emotion that they always know how to break the ice on such occasions suddenly as if the two beauties had the same thought they began to tease their solitary night in a playful way and were soon vying with each other in the jesting attention which they paid to him this unanimity of action left them free at the end of half an hour the two women already secret enemies were apparently the best of friends the young man then discovered that he felt as angry with mademoiselle de vernouille for her friendliness and freedom as he had been with her reserve in fact he was so annoyed by it that he regretted with a sort of dumb anger having allowed her to breakfast with them madame said mademoiselle de vernouille is your son always as gloomy as he is at this moment mademoiselle he replied i ask myself what is the good of a fleeting happiness the secret of my gloom is the evanescence of my pleasure that is a madrigal she said laughing which rings of the court rather than the polytechnique my son only expressed a very natural thought mademoiselle said madame de gois who had her own reasons for placating the stranger then laugh while you may said mademoiselle de vernouille smiling at the young man how do you look when you have really something to weep for if what you are pleased to call a happiness makes you so dismal this smile accompanied by a provoking glance which destroyed the consistency of her reserve revived the youth's feelings but inspired by her nature which often impels a woman to do either too much or too little under such circumstances mademoiselle de vernouille having covered the young man with that brilliant look full of love's promises immediately withdrew from his answering expression into a cold and severe modesty a conventional performance by which a woman sometimes hides a true emotion in a moment a single moment when each expected to see the eyelids of the other lowered they had communicated to one another their real thoughts but they veiled their glances as quickly as they had mingled them in that one flash which convulsed their hearts and enlightened them confused at having said so many things in a single glance they dared no longer look at each other mademoiselle de vernouille withdrew into cold politeness and seemed to be impatient for the conclusion of the meal mademoiselle you must have suffered very much in prison said madame de gois alas madame i sometimes think that i am still there is your escort sent to protect you mademoiselle or to watch you are you still suspected by the republic mademoiselle felt instinctively that madame de gois had no real interest in her and the question alarmed her madame she replied i really do not know myself the exact nature of my relations to the republic perhaps it fears you said the young man rather satirically we must respect her secrets interposed madame de gois oh madame the secrets of a young girl who knows nothing of life but its misfortunes are not interesting 
but answered madame du gras wishing to continue a conversation which might reveal to her all that she wanted to know the first consul seems to have excellent intentions they say that he is going to remove the disabilities of the emigres that is true madame she replied with rather too much eagerness and if so why do we rouse brittany and la vendee why bring civil war into france this eager cry in which she seemed to share her own reproach made the young sailor quiver he looked earnestly at her but was unable to detect either hatred or love upon her face her beautiful skin the delicacy of which was shown by the colour beneath it was impenetrable a sudden and invincible curiosity attracted him to this strange creature to whom he was already drawn by violent desires madame said mademoiselle de venuille after a pause may i ask if you are going to mayon yes mademoiselle replied the young man with a questioning look then madame she continued as your son serves the republic she said the words with an apparently indifferent air but she gave her companions one of those furtive glances the art of which belongs to women and diplomatists you must fear the chouan and an escort is not to be despised we are now almost travelling companions and i hope you will come with me to mayon mother and son hesitated and seemed to consult each other's faces i'm not sure mademoiselle said the young man that it is prudent in me to tell you that interests of the highest importance require our presence to-night in the neighbourhood of fougeres and we have not yet been able to find a means of conveyance but women are so naturally generous that i am ashamed not to confide in you nevertheless he added before putting ourselves in your hands i ought to know whether we shall get out of them safe and sound in short mademoiselle are you the sovereign or the slave of your republican escort pardon my frankness but your position does not seem to me exactly natural we live in times monsieur when nothing takes place naturally you can accept my proposal without anxiety above all she added emphasizing her words you need fear no treachery in an offer made by a woman who has no part in political hatreds a journey thus made is not without danger he said with a look which gave significance to that commonplace remark what is it you fear she answered smiling sarcastically i see no peril for any one is this the woman who a moment ago shared my desires in her eyes thought the young man what a tone in her voice she is laying a trap for me at that instant a shrill cry of an owl which appeared to have perched on the chimney-top vibrated in the air like a warning what does that mean said mademoiselle de venuille our journey together will not begin under favourable auspices do owls in these woods screech by daylight she added with a surprised gesture sometimes said the young man coolly mademoiselle he continued we may bring you ill luck you are thinking of that i am sure we had better not travel together these words were said with a calmness and reserve which puzzled mademoiselle de venuille monsieur she replied with truly aristocratic insolence 
i am far from wishing to compel you pray let us keep the little liberty the republic leaves us if madame were alone i should insist the heavy step of a soldier was heard in the passage and the commandant hulot presently appeared in the doorway with a frowning brow come here colonel said mademoiselle de venouille smiling and pointing to a chair beside her let us talk over the affairs of state but what is the matter with you are there chouan here the commandant stood speechless on catching sight of the young man at whom he looked with peculiar attention mamma will you take some more hair mademoiselle you are not eating said the sailor to francine seeming busy with the guests but hulot's astonishment and mademoiselle de venouille's close observation had something too dangerously serious about them to be ignored what is it citizen said the young man abruptly do you know me perhaps i do replied the republican you are right i remember you at the school i never went to any school said the soldier roughly what school do you mean the polytechnique ha ha those barracks where they expect to make soldiers in dormitories said the veteran whose aversion for officers trained in that nursery was insurmountable to what arm do you belong i am in the navy ha cried hulot smiling vindictively how many of your fellow-students are in the navy don't you know he added in a serious tone that none but the artillery and the engineers graduate from there the young man was not disconcerted an exception was made in my favour on account of the name i bear he answered we are all naval men in our family what is the name of your family citizen asked hulot dugois Saint-Cyr then you were not killed at mortagne he came very near being killed said madame de Gois quickly my son received two balls in where are your papers asked hulot not listening to the mother do you propose to read them said the young man cavalierly his blue eyes keen with suspicion studied alternately the gloomy face of the commandant and that of mademoiselle de venouille a stripling like you to pretend to fool me come produce your papers or la la citizen i'm not such a babe as i look to be why should i answer you who are you the commander of this department answered hulot oh then of course the matter is serious i am taken with arms in my hand and he held a glass full of bordeaux to the soldier i'm not thirsty said hulot come your papers at that instant the rattle of arms and the tread of men was heard in the street hulot walked to the window and gave a satisfied look which made mademoiselle de venouille tremble that sign of interest on her part seemed to fire the young man whose face had grown cold and haughty after feeling in the pockets of his coat he drew forth an elegant portfolio and presented certain papers to the commandant which the latter read slowly comparing the description given in the passport with the face and figure of the young man before him during this prolonged examination the owl's cry rose again but this time there was no difficulty whatever 
in recognizing a human voice the commandant at once returned the papers to the young man with a scoffing look that's all very fine he said but i don't like the music you will come with me to headquarters why do you take him there asked mademoiselle de venuille in a tone of some excitement my good lady replied the commandant with his usual grimace that's none of your business irritated by the tone and words of the old soldier but still more at the sort of humiliation offered to her in presence of a man who was under the influence of her charms mademoiselle de venuille rose abandoning the simple and modest manner she had hitherto adopted her cheeks glowed and her eyes shone as she said in a quiet tone but with a trembling voice tell me has this young man met all the requirements of the law yes apparently said hulot ironically then i desire that you will leave him apparently alone she said are you afraid he will escape you you are to escort him with me to mayon he will be in the coach with his mother make no objection it is my will well what she added noticing hulot's grimace do you suspect him still rather what do you want to do with him oh nothing balance his head with a little lead perhaps he's a giddy pate said the commandant ironically are you joking colonel cried mademoiselle de venuille come said the commandant nodding to the young man make haste let us be off at this impertinence mademoiselle de venuille became calm and smiling do not go she said to the young man protecting him with a gesture that was full of dignity oh what a beautiful head said the youth to his mother who frowned heavily annoyance and many other sentiments aroused and struggled with did certainly bring fresh beauties to the young woman's face francine madame dugois and her son had all risen from their seats mademoiselle de venuille hastily advanced and stood between them and the commandant who smiled amusedly then she rapidly unfastened the frogged fastenings of her jacket acting with that blindness which often seizes women when their self-love is threatened and they are anxious to show their power as a child is impatient to play with a toy that has just been given to it she took from her bosom a paper and presented it to hulot read that she said with a sarcastic laugh then she turned to the young man and gave him in the excitement of her triumph a look in which mischief was mingled with an expression of love their brows cleared joy flushed each agitated face and a thousand contradictory thoughts rose in their hearts madame dugois noted in that one look far more of love than of pity in mademoiselle de venuille's intervention and she was right the handsome creature blushed beneath the other woman's gaze understanding its meaning and dropped her eyelids then as if aware of some threatening accusation she raised her head proudly and defied all eyes the commandant petrified returned the paper countersigned by ministers which enjoined all authorities to obey the orders of this mysterious lady having done so he drew his sword 
laid it across his knees broke the blade and flung away the pieces mademoiselle you probably know what you are about but a republican has his own ideas and his own dignity i cannot serve where women command the first consul will receive my resignation to-morrow others who are not of my stripe may obey you i do not understand my orders and therefore i stop short all the more because i am supposed to understand them there was silence for a moment but it was soon broken by the young lady who went up to the commandant and held out her hand saying colonel though your beard is somewhat long you may kiss my hand you are indeed a man i flatter myself i am mademoiselle he replied depositing a kiss upon the hand of this singular young woman rather awkwardly as for you friend he said threatening the young man with his finger you have had a narrow escape this time commandant said the youth it is time all this nonsense should cease i am ready to go with you if you like to headquarters and bring your invisible owl marche a terre who is marche a terre asked the young man showing all the signs of genuine surprise didn't he hoot just now what did that hooting have to do with me i should like to know i supposed it was your soldiers letting you know of their arrival nonsense you did not think that yes i did but do drink that glass of bordeaux the wine is good surprised at the natural behaviour of the youth and also by the frivolity of his manners and the youthfulness of his face made even more juvenile by the careful curling of his fair hair the commandant hesitated in the midst of his suspicions he noticed that madame dugois was intently watching the glances that her son gave to mademoiselle de venouille and he asked her abruptly how old are you citoyen ah monsieur l'officier she said the rules of the republic are very severe must i tell you that i am thirty-eight may i be shot if i believe it marchater is here it was he who gave that cry you are chouan in disguise god's thunder i'll search the inn and make sure of it just then a hoot somewhat like those that preceded it came from the courtyard the commandant rushed out and missed seeing the pallor that covered madame de Gua's face as he spoke hulot saw at once that the sound came from a postillion harnessing his horses to the coach and he cast aside his suspicions all the more because it seemed absurd to suppose that the chouans could risk themselves in alencon he returned to the house confounded i forgive him now but later he shall pay dear for the anxiety he has given us said the mother to the son in a low voice as hulot re-entered the room the brave old officer showed on his worried face the struggle that went on in his mind betwixt a stern sense of duty and the natural kindness of his heart he kept his gruff air partly perhaps because he fancied he had deceived himself but he took the glass of bordeaux and said excuse me comrade but your polytechnique does send such young officers the chouans have younger ones said the youth laughing for whom did you take my son asked madame dugois for the gar the leader sent to the chouans 
and the vandeans by the british cabinet his real name is marquis de montauran the commandant watched the faces of the suspected pair who looked at each other with a puzzled expression that seemed to say do you know that name no do you what is he talking about he's dreaming the sudden change in the manner of marie de venouille and her torpor as she heard the name of the royalist general was observed by no one but francine the only person to whom the least shade on that young face was visible completely routed the commandant picked up the bits of his broken sword looked at mademoiselle de venouille whose ardent beauty was beginning to find its way to his heart and said as for you mademoiselle i take nothing back and to-morrow these fragments of my sword will reach bonaparte unless pooh what do i care for bonaparte or your republic or the king or the gar she cried scarcely repressing an explosion of ill-bred temper a mysterious emotion the passion of which gave to her face a dazzling colour showed that the whole world was nothing to the girl the moment that one individual was all in all to her but she suddenly subdued herself into forced calmness observing like a trained actor that the spectators were watching her the commandant rose hastily and went out anxious and agitated mademoiselle de venouille followed him stopped him in the corridor and said in an almost solemn tone have you any good reason to suspect that young man of being the gar god's thunder mademoiselle that fellow who rode here with you came back to warn me that the travellers in the mail-coach had all been murdered by the schwan i knew that but what i didn't know was the name of the murdered persons it was gois de saint cyr oh if corentin is at the bottom of all this nothing surprises me she cried with a gesture of disgust the commandant went his way without daring to look at mademoiselle de venouille whose dangerous beauty began to affect him if i had stayed two minutes longer i should have committed the folly of taking back my sword and escorting her he was saying to himself as he went down the stairs as madame de gois watched the young man whose eyes were fixed on the door through which mademoiselle de venouille had passed she said to him in a low voice you are incorrigible you will perish through a woman a doll can make you forget everything why did you allow her to breakfast with us who is demoiselle de venouille escorted by the blues who accepts a breakfast from strangers and disarms an officer with a piece of paper hidden in the bosom of her gown like a love-letter she is one of those contemptible creatures by whose aid fouché expects to lay hold of you and the papers she showed the commandant ordered the blues to assist her against you eh madame he replied in a sharp tone which went to the lady's heart and turned her pale her generous action disproves your supposition pray remember that the welfare of the king is the sole bond between us you who have had charette at your feet must find the world without him empty are you not living to avenge him the lady stood still and pensive like one who sees from the shore the wreck of all her treasures and only the more eagerly longs for the vanished property mademoiselle de venouille re-entered the room the young man exchanged a smile with her and gave her a glance full of gentle meaning however uncertain the future might seem however ephemeral their union the promises of their sudden love were only the more endearing to them rapid as the glance was it did not escape the sagacious eye of madame dugois 
who instantly understood it her brow clouded and she was unable to wholly conceal her jealous anger francine was observing her she saw the eyes glitter the cheeks flush she thought she perceived a diabolical spirit in the face stirred by some sudden and terrible revulsion but lightning is not more rapid nor death more prompt than this brief exhibition of inward emotion madame de Gois recovered her lively manner with such immediate self-possession that francine fancied herself mistaken nevertheless having once perceived in this woman a violence of feeling that was fully equal to that of mademoiselle de vernouille she trembled as she foresaw the clash with which such natures might come together and the girl shuddered when she saw mademoiselle de vernouille go up to the young man with a passionate look and taking him by the hand draw him close beside her and into the light with a coquettish glance that was full of witchery End of section five.